Um, yeah. yeah, just some of the stuff that we talked about this morning, just as a framework, and that will give the contributors who will have received the email just now a moment to join us before. I think I still too. Excellent. Hi, yeah, Pekka. Yeah, Pekka. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, Pekka. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it only went through email, or, um, only went through Facebook. And of course, yeah. not everyone is linked uh, on that. So Yeah, we had different lists to send and uh, we just uh, mixed up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Natalia was also supposed to join. Yeah. I've literally just sent it 30 seconds ago, so hopefully people right. are, oh, hang on, whoops, didn't press send, <laughs> or maybe I did, okay, great, um, how do we want to, should we just have a, it's recording, so um, maybe Max and I can share some of the network related um, projects and how this oh. exhibition events next year fits in. Yeah, maybe it doesn't interest everyone, so maybe we can be quite, so we'll just be quite brief. Yeah, we wanted to uh, first start with uh, with Christina, and then then go to some more specific things about um, about the exhibition, about the process, about uh, different projects we have for documentation of this process, but also like getting the works um, to move a bit forward, and um, also. Yeah, there was this idea of um, making next year a digital and um, physical event in Lisbon around the exhibition. So um, it would be nice to speak together also because um, it means that a number of works uh, should have this also, um, should incorporate this aspect, this dimension. And um, as it is often the case, um, in our project here in, in Humboldt, but um, I think in many others, we will take down this COVID situation as a kind of, um, I don't like to say it's an opportunity, but it's just that we, we will plan something digital in case, and uh, we will also make it happen digital, whatever happens, because it's kind of a better version in a way of this analog event. We don't think so many people can fly to, to Lisbon next year because the funding of the network is limited. Um, but we do believe that the local interaction with local partners, institutions, artists, students is extremely important and is going to um, give us a very lively event. So we want to try to um, yeah, make this kind of um, digital augmentation of the physical exhibition. And for this, we need uh, to work closely together with designers. And um, so with Jen, we had also this idea of working together with, um, with the, the cluster Matters of Activity, where I'm currently uh, holding a position as a postdoc. And here I'm part of a group who is precisely working on uh, digital physical exhibition spaces. So, and um, it's not a complete coincidence, of course, but two of the artists that we selected are also part of this group. Not, I think, because they, they presented excellent contributions and we were, I think they, they, we were kind of very rigorous on the selection process, but because they are great artists, um, they also um, are. Um, together with us in the group. Although they are not in today, I don't see them today in this Zoom conversation. I don't know what's going on. Um, but yeah, so Yuna Kim and, um, and, um, and Natalia Miodragovic um, would also help us more as part of this group to make it happen in, uh, in, in, with a different, like with this kind of digital uh, uh, expertise or not even digital, more like to try to make a crossover between digital and physical. And this also gives us some access to funding from my institution, which is also not so bad. And uh, we are applying. Um, I'm telling you everything already. <laughs> I'm sorry, I wanted to start with Christina. <laughs> I'm getting lost in this. Um, okay, just to make it short, yeah, we are we yeah. are applying now with uh, with colleagues for for money from EASA as well, so that we can make this exhibition in better conditions, so that we can. Um, Hosts a number of panels that would be parallel to the exhibition to make it. Let's not call them panels. Let's call no, them. No, it's like um, workshops, like workshops, <laughs> labs, labsy, <laughs> performance, participative. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Natalia is there. Uh, good. Great. Yeah. So basically, there is this um, series of events um, for next September, um, where we hope to have 
some version of a, a publication that, that operates across the digital and physical platforms um, to accompany it. Um, it will be a hopefully an EASA funded event, uh, we'll find out. Um, sorry, baby in the background. Um, and just the two final things before we can move on, because it's nearly quarter past two and we do plan to be finished by three. Um, we did also have a, this is for Antarctic Network members, we did have a panel, it is much more theoretical and anthropological, um, but we do have a publisher who's interested and we plan to, you know, to send that out to the Antarctic Network. So those of you who are not um, part of the Antarctic Network may wish to be added to the mailing list so that you can get these um, information about these opportunities that Max and I are dealing with for the network as well as, so that's one more academic publication, and then the events next autumn with the associated events and, and publication that will complete this Fieldworks kind of version, version one, which we hope to e expand on. Um, and then finally, just for briefly, we may as well, um, unless we want to put it at the end, I'm not sure, but um, Claire is here. So Claire, did you want to do a quick reminder of the opportunity that you've offered um, everybody as a contributor? And then we move on to Christine. Uh, yes, everyone. Um, very happy to see you. Sorry to be late. I was expecting um, the email link. That's uh, our fault, don't we? Yes, we sent an email. We didn't have any answers. So I just wanted to know if uh, some people are interested. It's just because of a busy time and uh, Christmas time and other stuff to do. Uh, we can totally wait until uh, the beginning of the, of, of the year. But I thought because of all the reflections and sharing we had, it would be very great to have um, more uh, common things between us and to include your proposition. Um, so it would, we, we don't know still if we want to have your, your, your uh, propositions, the visual, the visual work in our uh, artwork, or maybe it's just going to be a source of inspiration. But we were interested in all these gestures that appeared and others that disappeared um, since um, the, since uh, the COVID. Um, so just to have a feedback if we're still uh, waiting for something or, or I can understand if it's too much and you're not very interested. Well, I'd like to do one. <laughs> you had a great idea. Yeah, you can put it in the chat if you think about it through or um, just say whenever if you might be or have a look because I think even Max didn't quite catch the email. It was just a flurry. No, of it's just happening. too much. I think, don't, don't take it bad. I think the last weeks were extremely hectic, yeah. not usually yet hectic for everyone. So yeah, if we could prolong it a little bit. <laughs> I think over, over Christmas, you can send another email. People will be happy okay. to to do this, I'm sure. And Good. Especially Great. in those times with the family and or missing the family. That's uh, things will come. Very good point, actually. Over over the Christmas period, it might be quite interesting. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you can resend the email. And Good. one of the things which I don't know, it's kind of interesting to document our own gestures. Um, Recently, I made a, like part of a little film I made was me holding the camera. And I just wondered if, whilst it would be great if somebody can have someone else hold the hold the camera to document the gesture, I wondered if maybe there's an No, it's better to have someone, someone else uh, filming. Yeah, but what if someone is alone and they don't have that opportunity? Then they, that's kind of part of the whole thing, right? Um, mm -hmm. Maybe someone, I don't know, just, I was thinking about that to set up an instruction for a handheld gestures are different what about your computer Jane what about your computer exactly exactly you can use your use um, yeah, yeah good point you can use photo booth or whatever can you um cool all right thank you Claire thanks for reminding us of that um it'll be really nice to be involved so without further ado I think we need to turn over our um the the the, the the platform to Christine Christine thank you so much for offering uh, to be the first person um one question we have is whether you would like as to, uh, or whether you'll be sharing your screen to show any of the work, or if you just want to launch into discussion um, and your, your short provocation or paper to start, that's up to you. I plan to show nothing, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so just let me, just for the form, just let me share just uh, the, the page that, um, that, we, that we had on the, on the, on the website. Um, oh. There is more from Christine Modabacher. I don't think you can see the video, but... Um, yes, we can. Yeah. Oh, you can, wow. We can, and but it looks you, lovely. But you cannot see the... Um, uh, wait, you cannot see the sound. You cannot have the sound, then I didn't. Wait, deck, uh, share sound, optimize for video clip. Excellent. Good. And here we go. Oh. 
This is so relaxing. <laughs> uh, I should watch it more often. <laughs> well, it's made to be a loop. So if you want in the evening, you know. <laughs> it's excellent. It's super good. It could be a good... Um, um, alternative to these people, you know, you have the, the, the fire and the, the fake fire in the screen. <laughs> That's also nice. That's a different version. <laughs> Is it my turn? I think it's Jen. Jen, no, you don't want to say yeah. a few words about Christina? Since no, you... I think we should let nope. Christine and the work. All right. <laughs> One of the points. Christine, I, so, no, I met her once when I was uh, drinking coffee. In I, I, well, no, we were involved. Well, okay, yeah, sure. I mean, we were. Um, I mean, first time you met. First time you met. Oh. Um, oh. <laughs> she joined the Knowing from the Inside project. Oh wow! You start um, with big names. Wow. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and well. Uh, I, special effects, Jen. Yes. Yeah, I have a, I have an attachment, so um, we can, we can do a bit of that later, maybe. And I think everybody here knows Christine. No. Okay. But you don't have pictures of you two like hanging out in Aberdeen or something. <laughs> you don't have Christine pictures. And I were both part of the Knowing from the Inside project. It was Good. a European Research Council funded project called Knowing from the Inside: Art, Architecture, um, and Design. Um, mm. And Christine joined us already with a practice of and a background in visual anthropology and mm. in I would I don't know what you call it, Christine, in relation to um, artistic research and um, experience working across sound and, and visual media. Um, and uh, I just I think uh, it was a really exciting and experimental project. Um, it was a great time. It was a three five year project with people involved in doing all kinds of different subprojects and coming together at the end to share work that I think is quite um, kind of in aligned with what some of the intentions we have at the moment or for this project anyway. So I'm thrilled that Christine's able to be part of it now. She's now part of a fantastic project at the Max Planck, um, which she can tell us more about if it's at all relevant, I have no idea. <laughs> so over to Christine. <laughs> And not to forget, Claire was also a part of the project. Well, I because thought I was saying her. that. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I see her on screen. Mm -hmm. So now, now since Maxime talked so much, I feel a bit less guilty that I think my presentation is also much too long. But it was a bit difficult to find a form that fits, to today, fits for today since we are doing that for the first time. So I had no clue how to do no that. Worries. So I will just read a bit it's i think maximum 10 minutes if it really gets too long you just interrupt me and i also mentioned before there was a weird fog here do tell me if the internet connection is too bad then i put off the camera so the audio is at least understandable it works perfect for now thanks yeah yeah i think for right now it's good but one never knows so yeah of course it's a pity that iris is not there that would be i think the nicest thing or the most interesting to have us to have both of our views, but as I said to those who were there at the very beginning, she's finishing her second novel and has to hand it in end of January, so she's completely drawn into this project, but says mm. hello to everybody and is very much looking for forward to Lisbon in, in real or online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and besides that, I will actually start where Jen ended with my PhD at KFI at the University of Aberdeen. <laughs> Because when I finished this PhD, I stumbled, that was 2019 only, one and a half years ago, I stumbled over an article in an Austrian newspaper. And that article briefly recorded about container villages, as is described on the homepage uh, of Antart, of the Antart exhibition site, that were built for refugees in the so-called refugee crisis in 2015, like in many parts of Germany, Denmark, and other EU countries. And people were temporarily accommodated there on parking lots, mostly of old toll houses. But in our case, at the Austrian-Slovakian border, but also at the borders of Austria, Germany, Denmark, and so on. Now, while the refugees got spread out from the containers relatively quickly into nearby cities, deported back to their countries of origin or submerged altogether, the empty shells of steel that interested me a lot remained like ghost villages that raised more and more sentiments of displeasure with the local population. Because 
As long as there were containers, the possibility to be obliged to host people again remained a constant fear. So which mayor was able to obtain the permission to dismantle and dispose the containers the fastest and for good turned into, into an important competition with all, within the local political arena. So all this triggered my curiosity, but just having finished my PhD, as many of you know, it's quite a solitary work that I didn't want to repeat immediately. So I didn't want to do this project alone. But more importantly, probably than just not working alone was my wish to work um, to probably overcome the tendency as Ingold writes, that was uh, the leader of the project Jen and Claire and me were in, um, the tendency of anthropology too often, too often um, marked by using words that have no power to move, to effect or to evoke, which is in no way uh, a critique on words or the written text as such, not at all. I think it's also, that is also a topic that has been discussed in anthropology many times, whether written work is better than other <laughs> forms. So I will not repeat this discussion right now. My approach, I would say, rather follows Kubero, Grossman, and most recently Van de Poort, who wrote a very interesting text, 2018. And I strongly agree with him. He says, there are no visual or textual anthropologies. There are only hybrid anthropologies, mixed media anthropologies, multi-channel modes of communication anthropologies. I think like Van de Poort, that the genre of the essay film is one, of, one possibility to have maybe the best of the two worlds of word and text and art and anthropology. And there are many artists, I think Sophie Kahl is one example. To name, uh, to name only one, that show that the relation between text and image can be very, can be a very fruitful one. I can, I can put the text from Van de Poort in the, yeah, if you that want. That would be super nice, yeah. yeah, please. So taking all this in consideration, calling Iris, who is a Viennese writer and filmmaker and also a friend of mine, whose work I really appreciate, her books and her films, uh, seemed to be the kind of right thing to do for this project. She said yes, and we met soon afterwards in Vienna. It was the first time I cooperated directly with, with an artist. And um, we started to write application grants required to fund artistic projects very similar to those in anthropology. We had many ideas and were very enthusiastic at the beginning, but while looking for funding, we received many rejections, as many as I never had before. There were um, reasons like not the human resources, only accessible to a limited, the money is only accessible to a limited extent. Uh, the subject is too heavy. The subject is not- um, Heavy enough. <laughs> it's not hip anymore. Oh, wow. <laughs> were some of the rejections. Um, so this is probably um, on a very practice-based sense. Um, um, the, the first similarity I noticed between working in the field of art and anthropology, that the bureaucracy of institutionalized practice and funding can kill off not only the surprise of new encounter and enthusiasm, but also the original spark of curiosity and desire. This is uh, very similar to what Pandian wrote 2019, um, when he observes anthropologists and artists at work, that both of them have to be very persistent in what they wanna do. Um, so we received all these rejections, um, mostly people saying that the topic of refugees does not interest any, anybody anymore, has been there too much and uh, is yeah not hip and outdated. Um, equally as a little side story I've been, it was a bit after we finally got money for the project. I've been to the Berlinale last year, 2019, March 2019. And for those of you who were there already at the Berlinale, the tickets are especially online, they are sold out the second they are available. Literally the only film that was not sold out and there were, I think we were 10 people in the, in the room was a movie about a young unaccompanied refugee. So I had a discussion afterwards with, the, with one of the organizers of the Berlinale who also said that um, this is a very, it's a topic that is uh, very hard to, 
too fun these days, which I find really shocking from the arts and the anthropology side that it's like, you know, that, that, that can even be that the argument is it's not hip and in the zeitgeist. <laughs> so it took us about six months to require the necessary funding for at least be a month on site. But um, by the time we did receive enough funding and interest to be, to be there, all the container villages were removed because you know the mayor of our village was like winning his battle and the containers were removed. So what remained was us sitting, us sitting literally on an empty parking lot, which taught me another similarity at least between filmmaking and anthropology in a very practice-based sense, um, which Trevor Marchand, I think, um, expressed very well. He says, especially for filmmaking, the process of filmmaking and making films and conducting anthropological research are similar in many ways. Both start with an idea or interest followed by a proposal. A proposal, he continues, traditionally sets out a place, main characters or research participants, an approach towards the subject, the schedule of work and a budget, if one is lucky. With both, as Tausik has stated in 2011, a plan of research is little more than an excuse for the real thing to come along. This is exactly what I thought when we were sitting on this empty parking lot with finally the funding for a project that was not there anymore, at least for the visuals we wanted to have. And this brings me to another similarity, this facing the unknown and continuously adjusting. Many artists, like anthropologists, I think, are used to work with facing the unfamiliar, as Rebecca Solnit describes very poetically. She writes, it is the job of artists to open doors and invite in prophecies, the unknown, the unfamiliar. It is where their work comes from, although its arrival signals the beginning of the long disciplined processes of making it their own. Scientists too live always at the edge of mystery, the boundary of the unknown, but they transform the unknown into the known, haul it in like fishermen, artists get you out into the dark sea. Now I found this difference she makes between um, transforming the unknown into the known and getting you out in the dark sea very interesting, but I think there will not be enough time, at least in this presentation, to talk about it. What I wanted to just mention briefly is um, being in an unfamiliar setting, like Solnit describes, was really um, with Iris and me both being from Austria, I forgot to say that, but not used to the Austrian countryside. Um, really triggered a very similar reaction from both of us. We continuously made notes from what we observed, which not only I was used to from previous fieldwork experience, but also Iris does basically every day continuously working on her novels or scripts, writing down notes of things that she observes, conversation snippets she overhears, or really just describing places, sitting in the village pub, trying to get in conversations with the people we wanted to work with. Mm. Anthropologists do their thinking, talking and writing in and with the world, says Ingold, quoted, quoted in Pandian. I think many artists do very much the same. But while doing so, I did notice one major difference that is one of the main reasons why the two disciplines for me complement each other so well. Ethnographers, so Gertz, join others working, playing, caring for kin. We listen to people telling stories about themselves, their families, their neighbors, and other researchers. We, sh we share stories of our own. These are activities that most everyone carries out in one way or another during the course of everyday life. And that researchers in many disciplines, notably the arts, I think, also engage in. But as Castaneda writes, what differentiates ethnographers are the questions and ideas we carry in the bags of our minds. These questions and ideas come through multiple avenues. They are shaped by our own embodied lived experience and our entanglements with cultural beliefs and practices. And our academic theories and debates we learn when we are educated and trained in particular disciplines. And that difference I probably noticed the most when working with Iris. I came up with my questions while observing as an anthropologist about borders and exclusion and inclusion and others. Iris, on the other hand, came up with hers about all the things anthropologists, at least I, so often forget. 
She questioned the specific tools we use and the form of the final presentation much more than I would ever do, which by no way means content was not important for her. This is not what I want to say. It's just that I learned a lot from her by her questioning of um, how we do and present things in an artistic way, not only the, let's say, theoretical methodological input. Of course, it's hard to draw any conclusions from one very fruitful cooperation that we are very much in the midst still. But from what I have experienced, a lot of artists and a lot of anthropologists tell stories. We tell images with words. We, we tell stories with images, words, and sounds, with bodies, with pixels and takes. In art and in anthropology, the search for the right tool and with it final, the final form should be just as important as the telling of what we came to know. This is what we tried and are still trying. And currently what you see on the homepage, it's just one little example because it's an image we literally stumbled across while filming a larger project. What we also did in the month we spent there together was a participatory theater piece with the people uh, on site that was only shown there once and I think will not be repeated because it fit perfectly the occasion for the one summer we spent there, but then we didn't continue it, continue it. But as mentioned at the beginning, we are also doing an essay film that where we just finished two weeks ago, the rough cut is about yeah, 15 minutes and we will finish it hopefully in January. And I hope we can show it. We can show not only this one image that is on the homepage right now, but the final film online or in Lisbon. Yeah, that's it for right now. Hope it wasn't very much too long. I lost a bit track of the time. Excellent. No, perfect. Thanks a lot. Um, yes, Jen, are you here? Um, so, yes, yeah. I am here. I'm just sitting in Mama. the dark with a, a baby. So, add things into chats um, rather than <laughs> speak. But yes, that was beautiful. Thank you, Christine. Yeah, excellent. So we're very much looking forward to the film. Um, is there any question, um, any comments? Um, please don't be intimidated by the, <laughs> by the academic format as well that, that you choose. Um, any question? <laughs> any question? I, uh, you hear me? Yeah, very well. It's just a short question. I somehow missed when this was, which year or from when to. Um, you mean that the container villages existed or our project or? Yeah, like a timeline, brief yeah. timeline. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it started that the containers were, well, they were not really built, placed all over, not all over Europe, but mostly on the border between um, Hungary, Austria, Austria, Germany, Germany, Denmark, and also South Tyrol and Austria um, started in 2015. But um, until 2018-19, there were continuously refugees there, placed there. And then I read, so I, I, um, I read this newspaper article in 2019, one and a half years ago, that about this fight of mayors wanting to wanting them away. They were already empty at that time and then um, because we also went to the border of Italy and Austria to look for them and all the containers were finally gone as far as I know end of 2019 beginning of 2020. Great and did you find people who were who passed who lived there for a while because it's um, this idea of dismantling a town even if it was very very limited and uh, the infrastructure very precarious this is something very intriguing what kind of you know village or um, shape do you <laughs> do you give to a place that is supposed to be also completely demolished uh, and did you find some people who used to live there it's yeah, well, that was that was the really sad part. It never it never happened to me before, at least. But I think I mean this is because it's a broader. I'm generally working on this artist anthropologist working together relation right now, so I, I had troubles to 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 be short in my presentation. But there are so many interesting things. Like, of course, um, at the time I 
I just finished my PhD and I had no funding. Iris had no funding, so we tried the artistic way mm -hmm. and we only had one month to be on site. And that mm -hmm. literally is nothing. I mean, it's impossible mm -hmm. to, I think, at least for the way I work, it's impossible to do something really profoundly. And within this month, we did not find one. Well, we found one person that stayed that uh, lived for a while, for three months in the container village, um, because he, with his family, it was a Syri Syrian man, stayed in the village afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, and he did not want to talk to us. We, mm -hmm. we did interviews with the Austrian guy who helped him, who taught him German and who offered him a place to stay, him and his family. And he said that he's too traumatized. He doesn't want to talk about his experience. And then also, well, first, I don't want to force anybody. And second, there was not enough time to establish any relationship really with anybody. Mm -hmm. Maybe it would have worked after a year or something. And then... The sad thing was, since it was a continuous for years coming and going, people were never there for a very long time. I think mostly three to four months in these villages. Mm -hmm. There was no contact established. At least I'm only talking about the village we were, the Austrian village. There was not one contact, let alone friendship established um, between the village people and the, the refugee people. There was, we found out through official documentation, some names that we tried to trace, which didn't lead anywhere. But just by being in the village, talking to the Austrian people who are, who were, the village is about 2.5 kilometer away from the mm -hmm. container village. There was no, no way, but all this is part of the, the essay film. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was wondering if you know this uh, brief multimodal documentary that is called um, Welcome to Pine Point. Um, yeah. it's, slight, it's, it's a very different thing because it's about a settlement that was there for 50 years and with a very different context because it, it's, it's, um, well, it's, it's a documentary that was made um, by, um, funded by the Canada the Canadian Film Board, I don't know exactly how they're called. Um, and it's about a, um, a town that was uh, built close to a mine, a settlement for mines close to like in the north of Canada. And um, this town, um, well, after the, the mine, um, they decided to close the mine and then they decided to completely dismantle the city. And at the point where Pine Point was uh, built, it was seen as um, an example of the modern city, you know, they built everything from scratch so they could decide everything and it's kind of, and the settlement had lots of people living there, growing up there. And in Pine Point, in this documentary, um, this filmmaker comes back and finds people, interviews and kind of tries to understand how life was there because he was just there briefly as a boy there. And, um, and then of course he shows what, what remains of the city, which is nothing. And um, I believe that there is something there that you could play around with this kind of uh, settlement that is completely, that must disappear. Otherwise, because the problem was that they wouldn't like anyone else to move in, you know, and it's like this kind of open city, open infrastructure, and you don't want that this infrastructure comes in the ends of something, someone else. And, mm -hmm. uh, um, and yeah, that's also, that's also very, very interesting. What was the name of the film? Sorry. Welcome to Pine Point. It's actually, it's a very special object, multimodal, multimodal object that I would recommend everyone here to uh, get immersed into. I'm posting this in the chat. Mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, it, it was quite a big budget production as well for its time. It's, you will see, it's kind of, it looks slightly older because it's like this multimedia uh, stuff you know that's uh, goes very quick that it has a kind of old feel but it's excellent it's still very very good and um yeah yeah that was the first one and and the second remark would be uh, what do you do of uh, christoph schlingensief for example and because it's a, like uh, maybe it's very austrian or german but um, and probably not so many of, of uh, you in this room know about christoph schlingensief and it's a shame because he's one of the biggest German artist in the last, uh, in the last, in the second half of the 20th century. Um, 
But yeah, so Christoph Schling and Ziff, for those who were not around, um, made a beautiful performance, participatory performance that was called uh, Isle of Austria, right? I, I, Christina, I'm just quoting from memory, Isle of Austria, something like that. And I it was- I don't know that uh, one. I know. Yeah, it was um, part yeah. of the Wiener Festwochen, and mm -hmm. uh, he installed containers on the, pub in the public square in Vienna, and um, and uh, installed a number of migrants, refugees inside of the containers with cameras, ah, yes. and uh, and uh, and organized a reality TV show in which the the. the the, the refugees had to prove that they loved Austria in order to get their papers. And um, of course, it was extremely provocative, but it's, it's, it's a work of, of, of great magnitude and that provoked a lot of debates. But, and so, yeah, I think this is also something you could maybe integrate to your paper, I believe, that this, this dimension of the container and uh, what, what, what kind of life is in this, what are in these containers? And maybe, yeah, just, um, yeah, this is of course um, a different angle, but um, uh, what he was pointing at is, is a kind of hybrid media project that could bring together a kind of reenactment with, uh, with the weirdness of TV reality, with the weirdness of uh, nationalism in Austria. And um, yeah, that's also just food for thought, I guess. Um, but I'm, I'm very admired. I, I really admire the work of Christoph Schlingensief as a um, as an anthropologist as well. I believe this kind of experimentation and uh, invention and provocations should be should be our um, main inspiration for getting things to happen and, and move. And uh, and those are based, of course, on investigations, very precise investigations, and a feeling of the dramatological, the dramatological potential of situations, subjects, um, characters. Um, I mean, most of his work is quite amazing. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. I mean, it's funny because what the, what the essay film will be about mostly is containers mm. <laughs> so, because that's what we kind of had left and I didn't and I know Schlingensief but I didn't think about his container piece of course I I, I love his church opera piece I don't know if you know oh, that. yeah yeah, yeah and, you also yeah of course yeah well there was like this the whole the idea of opening an opera village in Africa was quite yeah. uh, controversial and uh, and nice I really like it I had got to um uh, research a bit on him because I wrote uh, I wrote on Jonathan Mese and opera and uh, yeah. the, the whole scene there is kind of uh, you meet people in the new Christoph mm. but yeah so yeah containers yeah what would it be to kind of think of what what the life life in containers means mm. yeah and my last question would would be about the ends what what do the hands <laughs> what do you do of the ends inside of the, of the situation uh, <laughs> and the tree you know <laughs> no i'm 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 certainly not giving you an explanation of <laughs> oh i don't want that what what we that. what we saw in this video but this is somehow um it was it was very strange because we've been there a month we knew okay we don't have after one month we we do not have a an outcome, let's say, <laughs> right away. We're not done with anything. We have so many impressions. We don't know where to go with this project, but then we saw, we filmed this one image and it was also linked to the fact that there was a call in Austrian TV mm -hmm. um, linked to borders of 30 second short pieces. Mm -hmm. And we both said, well, actually this is, you know, this is what we think came out of it for right now. Mm -hmm. these ants crawling on the Austrian flag without going out of it, you know. So yeah. then, of course, you know, we got already, um, we were really surprised it was shown quite a lot. And um, we got very different, very different interpretations, which I also like because we were a little bit hesitating maybe at the beginning that people take it the wrong way, let's say, not mm -hmm. <laughs> whatever the wrong, I mean, I don't know, we were a bit, shall we really put an Austrian flag on the screen? <laughs> um, of course, of course, please. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it somehow worked, it triggered a lot of stuff also afterwards. Oh. Um, I think that now with the lockdown, a lot of people have maybe <clears throat> a, little, a, a bit of feeling what might be the life in a container um, in locked <laughs> in a small space, depending on how 
Thank you, Christine, for sharing your work. I'm very excited to see the whole movie. Uh, when I first read on, on, on the website uh, inclusion, exclusion, uh, I didn't understand uh, the notion of in inclusion because I didn't uh, make the link because I was uh, thinking of inclusion in, within the whole society. And then uh, I realized it was about the container. Uh, well, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> Uh, and then I also appreciate that what you said about this idea of uh, hybrid uh, and mixed method. Um, it's not about choosing one media uh, better than the others, and, um, but the, complement, the complementary work of them. Uh, and I've been influenced by choreographers and the work uh, they, <clears throat> they, they create, dance play. It's not about always using dance as movements. But it's also it's choreographing a space. You have the stage, and then depending on the framework, depending on the concept, you use uh, the right media uh, to uh, illustrate your purpose. And and I think it's the way I tend to work more and more. And depending on what I have to say, then to choose um, the right media. Mm -hmm. So I think mm -hmm. it's great to have this combination. Thank you. I just I just typed uh, his name. Thank you. Um, Yes, this is meant for all, <laughs> uh, Jen. Um, ah, no, I only sent it to Jen, yeah, sorry. It. Yeah, um, it's Thunderport 2018, you'll find it right away. It's actually about the essay film. The, the title is the essay film in anthropology, I don't know. And it's just one, like one section where he writes about this, his general opinion about forms in anthropology. I like it. I like it a lot what he writes there. And because you said, um, it's very interesting, or I'm very happy what you said about the, that maybe now after the lockdown, people understand a bit more uh, how it is to live or feel a bit more like how it is to live in containers, because that's the, in the end, that's the link that worked for us. We, the film as it is now, as I said, it's a rough cut and I think it will stay like that. The structure of it will stay like that. Although there are some fine tuning still to do. It starts with the container village one year ago and it ends in our situation of lock, being locked down now, always with this reference to container and being boxed in and all that, which was a very hard thing to do because it's also a bit presumptuous to like, you know, say, oh, we are, I mean, I'm talking about myself now. <laughs> um, now we are so poor because we cannot travel for two months and we also feel locked in, you know, it's a very difficult thing to kind of make references and at the same time not put on the same level yeah mm. uh, but can you send it again because i think ah, i don't know you seem so and when i'm yeah. typing, i'm not using zoom so i don't know how anything works here. <laughs> if you type your message you have uh, ah, the yeah. person you can choose ah, yeah. or everyone yep doing it Mm -hmm. And the, do you know the reason why you didn't get any people uh, attending the workshop? Is it because you didn't get enough time to present yourself and people didn't trust you? Or is it because of the framing? Uh, if you would have approached people uh, with another uh, topic, not, not directly talking about refugees and borders, would, would it have changed something? The workshop we planned in the village, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is the... Um... The general topic um, of exclusion, let's say, is the topic I'm working on at the Max Planck Institute now. And we are discovering really more and more that it's very hard to, to get people to talk about that. You know? So I think, I mean, first there was a time problem. As I said, one month is nothing, including arriving, getting to know people, organizing something, leaving. Um, and then I had, uh, well, my, I must say, besides this, my experience is limited because I had to return twice from my field work that is supposed to be in South Tyrol <laughs> due to COVID. Mm -hmm. I stayed two weeks every time and I had to return. So I don't know anything <laughs> so far. But um, I recently watched, uh, watched a movie from an Austrian film director. Very, it's a very good film. It's called Inland. Um, and she told me that she did a similar, she went in Vienna she wanted to kind of for once portray the other side of she always was working with migrants refugees too and wanted to portray people who do not want migrants and refugees in austria and she she wrote the written reportage for it for an austrian magazine 
And she said people were talking a lot with her. She, in two days, she had this four pages, very interesting thing for the newspaper. And then she said, okay, well, it's interesting. People want to talk about it. I'm making a movie out of it. And it took her one year to get three people, mm -hmm. to find three people as protagonists mm -hmm. that want to mm -hmm. participate. And I mean, in our case, we didn't even say we have to film the workshop. You know, that was, we weren't even sure about that. But I think it's just a topic where it's very hard because either, either it's politicians that we were not interested in <laughs> that go in front of the camera and say stuff or it's people that just, where it takes a long time to establish relationships. Mm -hmm. so, but maybe one way to do that for, for all these kind of uh, sensitive topics and reflecting about my own practice as well, uh, maybe it's not to mention any of these sensitive um, uh, words, but more proposing a kind of creative workshop where people would do something creatively and then okay. depending on the kind of uh, uh, yeah idea maybe it's building a house or, or not know whatever it is uh, through through uh, an indirect way to talk uh, about those kind of questions yeah I think I think that could that could be an idea but I'm also a little bit afraid but as I said I have no experience in it yet that If you're, if you're not very straightforward from the beginning, that sooner or later you kind of miss the, you know, you miss the point where you could have said it and you end up being a bit confused when to tell people that actually you're very much interested in their opinions about exclusion and so on. That's just what I sense a bit in, in front, you know, but. It's also really interesting. Sorry, I'm speaking with, in the dark here, but um, uh, this question of, you know, because as art um, and artists, the art world are increasingly interested in having these anthropological takes or these even one might say political kind of angles, right? Um, the question is whether as artists or anthropologists, um, you do want to take this direct, like you, you are attempting to intervene with an already formed kind of, uh, position or question or attention to something hmm. um, so the question then becomes like as Claire suggesting if the op does openness happen somewhere else or are you open to like hmm. is there if, if you are interested in some other way in to the questions um, in a more kind of traditional or generic kind of anthropological um, questioning of, of a way of life like what emerges through there or actually do you have an intention and, and a question and a political imperative so to speak that you're going to you're going to have this focus and it would be unethical or lacking transparency to not have that you know um and when you combine that like what is your intention along with um along with the practicalities of of research or or project making mm -hmm. um which you know to to be oversimplified about it often artists can't get funding for long-term research in the same way that anthropologists might get a year an artist you might get a month um, you know, how you develop relations over the long term, all of these things will help shape what kind of work that you can make, right? Um, mm. And what to do with the work again afterwards, right? Also, so, so yeah, so I, I just think that's really interesting to think about, about how, what, we, what we bring to the field and this question, which for me sits across this, what I call art anthropology, how you intend to kind of activate the questions and the field mm. and the topic of the work, um, and how open you are to that being diverged, right? Um, and so there's a politics of as well as the politics of whatever you intend for the audiences at the same time. Because if you're intending to make a film that is explicitly political or a, a film which is intending to be something else, right? Um, mm. I don't know, it's, it's such a, it's an interesting um, example, I think, particularly when, and this is what I wanted to ask you to sort of slightly taking it away from that, that general remark, is this effort that you said not to explain the visual work itself. For me, I keep finding that when I'm asked to write about my um, more artistic practice, that anthropologists particularly are always keen to explain the relationship between form, media, material, and the work, um, even without the kind of contextualization, the historical, political, and so on, that, that you can framework with in different ways. Um, Like that resistance to explanation, I think, is really important in this space. And I'd love to hear more about how you navigate that, Christine. Well, I think it's a bit, 
it's a bit new for me. Well, thanks for thanks for the other comment. That's actually exactly what I what I meant. That this question is very interesting, one you said before. Um, but about the not explaining, I think it's a bit. Um, it's something quite new for me that I learned from Iris and that I like right now. I don't know if it, <laughs> if it will stay like that, but I really noticed in the process, but that was already after the short clip, you know, now for the 50 minute film we work together, that I spent a lot of time, even for myself, explaining, finding theories, finding methods, um, reading smart stuff, <laughs> you know, um, as I don't know. I, I kind of needed that to feel secure enough to do something while she, but I don't want to say that she doesn't do all that, that she's not reflecting or something like that. It's just that she, she said many times to be, no, 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 to me, no, no, we are not, we are not writing an academic text. We're not, <laughs> you don't, you don't need to justify um, that you, you, you feel this is the right image <laughs> by three quotes of somebody, you know, with an exaggerating, um, sense and in the end I think she was very much right because what we came up with that you don't know yet because we cannot show it it's still the rough cut um, I like it a lot actually it's di very different from what I did so far and um, it's a bit due to that to the resistance to not you know not so much do it with a concrete explanation and purpose and so on behind it yeah I don't know if that was actually what you meant but yes absolutely yeah. Um, on some level, because one of the questions for the whole group, I guess, is to not impose upon you what my my kind of this space in the hyphen between art and anthropology. But but one of the, the things that I've learned is how do we make space to let the work speak in a way that is open and yet not so open that, you know, it can be misinterpreted just as you've suggested with your particular little bit of work. Like there's a reason for the openness that's possible here and the openness which is made possible through an attention to form, to aesthetics, to an understanding of the what the visual can do or the performative or however you want to frame it in terms of the art stuff. So my last question, Christine, for you is simply like, do you have a, a strong feeling about what why we call it what we call it, whether it's, you know, whether there's space for some kind of new moniker? for uh dis in disciplinary terms because I, I can feel like you're asking a lot of the same questions or do you tend to prefer to take the position that you know it doesn't matter or that you're an anthropologist and the work will you know you collaborate in certain ways do you have a clear um position um or does it really it doesn't really matter what we call it <laughs> it's, but is the question whether I have a clear position about myself like whether I would define myself as an anthropologist or artist or the work I do or does the work like because I'm because for this project uh, one of the things that I'm interested in is this uh this hyphenated like thing this art anthropology thing but I'm very aware that we have artists we have anthropologists we have collaborations between artists and anthropologists and I'm really open to uh, an approach that encompasses all of that but I do think there are um, grounds for uh, understanding what we can learn from these so there's stuff that's shared um, mm -hmm. very much so but then there's also stuff that's, that's different and we can explore that in lots of different ways because there are many arts and there are many anthropologies um, but I've just I just wonder whether anyone's interested in whether uh, some kind of um, redefinition or understanding of what each discipline brings and then how we um, what the conjunctions are what the what happens when we bring them together or if it matters to people's professional identities or if works can all operate in different in with in different configurations basically so I just wondered Christine because I know that we've we've both got experience mm. working um, with artists and with with works that traverse um art works and anthropological works and visual anthropology and I just wonder if it matters to you um or not <laughs> um well I don't have a exactly this is what I'm thinking about too I don't have an answer but I I mean I have partly partly an answer because what I like so much already about ant art when you put out the call for the exhibition was that it was anthropology and art um, and there was no definition of, you know, which kind of anthropology, is it visual anthropology or performative anthropology, I don't know, and there was no, not, not one special, one, one form of the arts, let's say, which I liked a lot, because one little answer that I have for myself, at least, is that I'm completely, I mean, 
Claire, for example, um, just because I know her work a bit better than the others, maybe from uh, because of KFI and I, I think we are practicing very different things, but the, you can you can call it art, you know, it's dance, it's film and so on. And in anthropology, this is somehow still not possible. You have to name it right away. You have to say it's visual anthropology or it's, um, yeah, performance anthropology, which, um, which for me is difficult because, because if you define it like that already before you start, like I would never say I'm a visual anthropologist. It might be written somewhere still because I had to have a master in visual anthropology like you, I think, Jen. But um, I would never say I do only visual anthropology. Like this, uh, you know, every project I do is coming from visual anthropology and it has to have a film as an outcome or photography, let's say, because I think it's the wrong wrong way approach. Yeah, the wrong yeah. way approach, yeah. Yeah, this is how far I got. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate that. And um, especially as you've gone first, I think um, other those others that are coming next, it might be interesting if, if, um, if there is a level of reflection on, on the direction, at, you know, that in relation to field works, um, and, and what we share and how we share it. So it's been great to, to hear your um, framing of all of that and, and this work in particular. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Christine. Thank you. Um, since we did hope to be done by now, I would like to just open up if anybody else has any further questions about anything or for Christine, now is the time to ask. I can uh, just say like what I was thinking about <laughs> and then uh, because I was like, you know, I'm an architect, but I don't really know too much about anthropology and for me it's interesting only to listen to your discussion. I put now in the chat that now as we speak are people freezing because it's winter and you are speaking about Austria, I'm from Serbia. <laughs> so there are no containers on border of European Union. You're speaking about internal European yes, borders yes. that theoretically does not exist. Mm -hmm. So it's for me it's interesting yep. for uh, how apolitical can you be? And this is kind of also, you know, and then, yeah, it's a very hard topic. I was crying all the time and this was not my plan. It was like this with students uh, migration, like urban event, looking for architectures of migration, starting from a kind of plastic bag when they are walking, just to cover themselves, shoes. Like I met boy here, six pairs of shoes mm. to arrive. <clears throat> all destroyed then. <laughs> so this is container is kind of you know Hilton hotel it's mm. the, it's not there is no container that means you're in the system <clears throat> so what we were wearing were plastic bags and tents like donation from people so for me, this container is, and then now they are there. It's now is winter starting and they're not, uh, everybody's not in some kind of place. And then for me, it's interesting this also. And then the other thing, what I was thinking this, because I'm kind of a refugee, but funky refugee, I got <laughs> scholarship. So it is not, funky. I don't speak about it. I, you just uh, think uh, that you're going somewhere and this will be just one chapter that you will forget, you know. <laughs> so people don't want to be captured in this stage. This is what I can imagine that is not good for a workshop, <laughs> that people <laughs> hope to forget this part, that they are in not anywhere in transition, you know. So this could be my explanation why people do not talk about it. And then all these people living on this border, they always did and they know happened these things before. They just don't want to mess with it because mm. it's not really like them. And the other was, and it was actually a recommendation from Yuna, is uh, like, just for me was interesting that somebody, 
oops, that somebody is talking about humans, <laughs> which is very tricky thing, uh, that we speak about humans, 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 but they are humans and humans, like dividing ants and plants and this, but it's very tricky to divide humans, but it is coming, like the huge migration will start soon. This is kind of, it will not stop. Like mm. what you said, it's 2015, 2020, it will not stop, I think. So it's not something mm. I, fortunately, that I think like it happened in this after Second World War was huge migration, but then was not so disaster. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. So this the topic of these architectures of migration is very interesting to me. And the answer, nice. <laughs> no, it was just, I didn't really know first what it is. I just looked, I didn't even recognize the flag. I just thought that with the color, you can show some event that is mm. anywhere there. Yeah. So yeah. in a way, it's uh, it's true. Then I, when I read this, oh yeah, interesting. <laughs> but that is exactly. I mean, I know the the links. I mean, mm-hmm. you you sent and all that. That's why I was really it was one of the most shocking things for me. I heard when there were people telling me, no, we we don't get funding because this this refugee topic is not hip anymore. You know, I <laughs> mean, this is really this is incredible. I think to have also the guts to say that. No. Um, considering what's going on. I mean, and of course, I know about the Bakan, what's going on there, but then there's also Greece and Moria and all that. And if you want to do something, actually, it doesn't matter if you want to do something on the research, anthropology research side or art, on this topic, it's very unlikely that you get funding because it's like, you know, over well, overseen. Yeah, overseen, but it's true that there are some very strong critique on that. You can look up, for example, Matthias Barstadt, uh, Applied Theater. Um, they did lots of projects on how um, this um, theater workshop for migrants and all these um, theater works around migration um, very often didn't look so much after the consequences of their own work. And it was a lot of the time uh, only, you know, artists were benefiting from mm. a situation that was not so that was not good and yeah. um, so I believe that yeah this uh, this kind of hype um, suffered from these uh, critiques and also people just got bored and um, yeah, well, yeah. Also, uh, I mean in art schools in the UK um, Ai Weiwei is used as the kind of um, the defining example of mm. um, of an artist, an individual artist who drew on these visual, like dramatic visual representations of the Syrian boy who died on the shores mm-hmm. um, and used as, in order to question the ethics of artists engaging. Um, mm-hmm. and, and as part of a, 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 yeah, I would say a movement of critique of what social engagement means for, for mm-hmm. arts. Um, um, but it is, I agree with you that it's, um, the idea that migration is a trend <laughs> that can be um, considered political or not um, is quite is quite shocking. Um, yeah. But um, but maybe this is one of the ways in which we have to push through one of the reasons that the disciplinary questions matter because of course um, working either in collaboration or across um, different audiences and different politics, um, the combination of art and anthropology ca- brings different things, right? It brings different attention and depth of focus and commitment and all of those questions, which are important. Um, yeah. And it's really great to, so just to be clear, we w- we're hoping, are you hoping that we can then sort of bring these two works, the, the, the film, the longer film plus this work into, into conversation, right? Um, I hope so. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. I think it's important uh, to note to everybody that these events in Lisbon um, will have, you, you know, we'll all have the opportunity to either present work in the forms of screenings and discussions, or indeed to develop more kind of um, interactive workshop type activities um, for us, but also for local students and local artists and um, considering the context of, of Lisbon and um, whatever. So there's different ways in which <laughs> yeah, we can uh, we can get involved. I'll um, meet myself and my baby now. <laughs> but thanks, Christine, for starting us off. I'll pass you to Max to maybe round up.
Yeah, thank you very much for everything. We don't intend these sessions to be more than one hour or something because we want you to show up every time if it's possible and we don't want to take on everyone's um, <laughs> time too much. Thank you so much, Christina, for this very dense work and we're looking forward to receiving uh, the draft of the paper. That would be super nice. And um, you will get in conversation very soon also. We'll try to do this as soon as possible with the designers to understand how your contribution, your digital um, contribution could look like. Um, um, in in a case of a book or a digital publication or in the exhibition as well. So thanks again. Thank you everyone for showing up. Thank you. You're amazing. Thank you. And um, uh, yeah. So I guess see you next time and um, keep posted <laughs> and um, keep sending us um, stuff. And uh, like Claire, I really like this initiative you have. So send some gestures to Claire. And um, Claire with gesture in your direction uh, as a payback. <laughs> so keep safe, um, enjoy the holidays, and um, see you. We'll be in touch about the next one in January. Oh, how spooky. <laughs> Very spooky, Jenny. Very spooky. It's like horror movie. Wave, right? Look bye at bye. this. Bye. Right. Ciao, ciao. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Merry Christmas. So, is Jen going to go away as well? I think Jen I has something say. to do. Bye. You have something to do, right? Thanks, guys, for joining. Francisca uh, was very nice. You have to run, right? Recording. Um, no, I had um, I had baby responsibility. It just it ended up. Okay, um, all right. Um, well, we were supposed to go. Stop recording. <laughs> um, we were supposed to go. It's just me and you now. Um, 